Well, good morning and welcome to the Men's Leadership Network. I'm excited about today because we have Dave Anderson with us. And Dave is, man, you have an incredible career, incredible story, 20 years in the Navy, a fighter pilot. You've landed on an aircraft carrier 404 times. I can't <laughs> yeah. even imagine that. <laughs> yeah. uh, you've been all over the world and, you know, recently retired and now you're flying for United Airlines. Mm-hmm. And uh, But we talk about fight or flight, and so this is such an important topic for men, and you You've lived this in so many different ways. You know, I grew up watching the movie Top Gun. You know? <laughs> and, <laughs> My and, favorite movie. <laughs> uh, and then, I love that movie. And, yeah, and yeah. Uh, you know, it was just, I don't know, it was inspiring. But they all had call signs. You know, you had uh, Maverick and Goose. Yeah, and, yeah. And Iceman. Yeah. Iceman, yeah. <laughs> Did you have a call yeah. sign? I mean, being Commander Anderson and you, yeah. all the people you've trained. Do you have a call sign in the Navy? You know, it's, it's funny, Jeff. First, thanks for having me. But, um, yeah, uh, it, it's... It, you spend uh, periods of sometimes years where you don't even hear your name called and it's only your call sign. But wow. uh, yeah, uh, my call sign was Gravy. And uh, there, there is a story behind it. I've never told it publicly, um, but I'll, I'll tell it, uh, share it with you all today. But uh, yeah, uh, freshman year, uh, they give us a, a book called Reef Points and it's got, you know, Laws of Navy, Code of Conduct, all these things we have to memorize as a freshman and part of the, you know, the training that we go through. Oh, yeah. Well, in the back of the book is... is uh, uh, some some naval slang terms and, and gravy is one of those those slang terms and so um, like I said you needed two O to graduate and, and playing football which is really a full time job along oh, with yeah. you know twenty five credit hours a semester I mean it was tough and so my grades were weren't real good but the definition of gravy is the point oh one of a two point oh one GPA so <laughs> it's kind of that slop ah oh, you work too hard uh, to, you know you only need a two O anyway it wasn't quite that low but uh, anyway that's where gravy comes from and, and so they so, called you gravy all the time so that that was my name and, and I you know I wow. didn't pick it but um, uh, there, there were years where that's all I heard you know really it wasn't Dave it was gravy so and then you trained pilots right I mean you like. <clears throat> trained a lot of guys to flying. I did, yeah. I did three instructor tours, um, so wow. teaching the new guys how to land out, uh, on the carrier and, you know, drop uh, precision, guided bombs, et cetera. So um, that, was, uh, that was a fun part of uh, mm. the 20 years. Yeah. Have you seen some of your students go on to... I tell you, it's funny. It really uh, ages you, you know, when you, when you see students coming back, and actually two of them have, uh, have been Blue Angels, and, and, and a buddy I play football with at Navy is the CEO of the Blues right now. So wow, um, that's really, uh, really neat. Wow, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Well, David, you've had an incredible career, I mean, in the, in the, in the Navy and all. Uh, I don't know if you've seen, have you seen the movie American Sniper? I have. Yeah. I have. Tell us about, because, uh, I don't know, have you, a lot of you guys seen that movie, American Sniper? Yeah. So a lot of guys have seen it. Tell us your thoughts on that movie. I mean, how realistic was that? I mean, I tell you what, without any hesitation, I mean, one of the most accurate portrayals of, you know, not only that story, and you get that from, from Taya, his mm-hmm. wife, who says, you know, she was so pleased with the, the production because it really did portray, mm-hmm. um, you know, his life and their life accurately. And, and I think that was the best part for me. Um, one, that it was, it was so realistic. Yeah. Um, but, but two, you know, if, if some of you guys have seen uh, Lone Survivor, you know, it was a good story, but it was just kind of that... Um, that story of the, the conflict of, you know, what do they do? Do they release these guys? And, and kind of just that little mission. Uh, American Sniper was, was the full story mm. of, of, you know, the, the re-engagement, the coming and going from the tours. And, and here's Taya left home with the baby and the, and the, the challenges and, and the, the, that exist with that coming and going. And, and that's what really moved me, I think. Mm. Um, you know, it, it, uh, 
they talk about the beginning of the movie how, you know, what kind of motivated him to join the military. And, and for him, it was um, seeing the, the bombings in Tanzania mm-hmm. on TV. And, and, you know, he just kind of, it, it struck a chord with him and said, you know, that's, that's what I want to do. I want to go serve. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to protect the greatest country on earth. And, and mm-hmm. you know, um, similar thing for me. But that's, you know, for, for those that don't know, that's why we have um, things like the Blue Angels. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Air Force has the Thunderbirds. Um, it's a recruiting tool. Um, you know, some people wonder, you know, is it taxpayer expense to go out and, and have these aerial demonstration teams, you know, performing like this? Um, that's, it's, it's recruiting. And, mm-hmm. you know, I can't tell you how many guys uh, that ended up being a Blue Angel, you know, said, hey, I was 10, 12 years old. I went to an air show and I saw this. I said, Daddy, that's what I want to do. Yeah. You know, so um, really, uh, really powerful stuff. Oh, that, yeah. that, um, um, but as far as the movie... Um, and, you know, we're kind of talking fight or flight today. Right. Um, I think it really brought home, at least for me, you know, you saw both sides of that. You saw the, the fight at times, and you saw the flight at times where he mm. just kind of retreated. And, and yeah. so, you know, we'll certainly get into that. Yeah. Uh, but um, it, it really presented both sides. Yeah, I thought, it, I, I thought it did too. I mean, I thought that was the powerful part of that. It was not only did you see the, the battle scenes and him engaging, but then when he came home, right. you know, and it was like she's going you're not present, you right. know, where are you? Right. And, uh, and, and I think for guys, a lot of times that's a struggle, you know, what, what does war do to psyche? I mean, you've been in, in intense battles. You, you have been on incredible missions and a lot you can't even tell us about, I know, but what does that do to your psyche? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the thing, uh, you know, having done, I mean, my career started in 93 off the coast of Bosnia in the Adriatic sea and, and ended, you know, with, with 11 months in Iraq and then a year and a half in Afghanistan. Um, it, it, uh, it's amazing the, the challenges that presents and, and you see it, it just in the sheer numbers, you know, one thing is, um, the, the young sailors and Marines out there that are taking their lives, you know, mm. because of what it does to you. And I think as men, the, the challenge we have and that I fought and went through is, is coming to that realization, that, that understanding that, uh, it affects you. And, and it affects you in ways you don't realize because you're in it. And, and you know, I did four tours in Afghanistan and, and uh, nothing like Chris Kyle. And I don't want to, you know, try and put myself on that level. But, but you know, watching the movie really brought that home. The, mm. um, he, when he came home and she would say to him, you know, um, you're here, but you're not really here. And, and, you know, I'm making memories alone. And that, that is, is so real. And... Um, it's, it's, I think men in particular have a difficult time accepting that they may have that problem or that issue. And it does, it's not just exclusive to war, but it certainly brings out that, um, that agitation, that, that short temper, that um, irritability that, you know, and when you're in it, and I, and I said I went through this, you don't, you're not aware. Mm. And, and I think that's the challenge. Um, my wife would tell me, you know, man, you just seem, you know, is everything all right? You seem wrong. I'm like, what? What? I'm fine. You know, and, yeah. I, you know, and, and I just, I was, I was blind to how the conflict, you know, month after month was affecting me. Yeah. At one point... In that movie, I remember his wife said, um, do you ever think about there being another person on the other side of that gun? You remember that part? I do, and yeah. How, how, 
I can't even imagine. I mean, you know, you're a hero. I mean, honestly, we, we all love and are thankful for you and for everybody. But that had to come into your thought life at some point, you know, and how did you reconcile that? How did you deal with that? Yeah, it really did. You know, fortunately, I didn't have to pull a trigger on mm-hmm. anyone. I'm, I'm grateful for that. But um, it's, you know, some people look at, they, they see the movie and they, and they look at Chris Kyle as this bloodthirsty killer who's just out, you know, and I just, I, I couldn't disagree more. Mm. Um, this guy w- was truly a, a legend and a hero, but, but his job was to save lives. Mm-hmm. And, and he, he did so by taking some lives. Yeah. But, but the bigger picture was, you know, he had a job, he was a professional, and, and, and you could see in the movie the struggle he had oh, yeah. um, with what he had to do. I mean, he knew he had a job to do, but he didn't. He didn't, ah, oh, I got three more today. That just wasn't him, you know? And you really saw it when, when uh, the, the, the kids, you know, the two kids scenes. And if you remember the first one where the, the kid, you know, the one had the grenade and, and he started running towards him, the mom gave him the grenade and, you know, and, and, and there's that struggle. It's particularly hard when it's a child, you know? And, and even more so, the second one that picked up the, the rocket launcher. Yeah. And, and, you know, you can see him. He's just, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Because he knew he would have to take him out if he did. And, and so... You know, the, the people that look at him as this, you know, this villain who is just, uh, you know, warmonger, just, I just couldn't disagree more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not at all. But, but um, you could see this in the scenes, um, each time he deployed and would come home, how it got a little bit harder and a little bit harder. And, um, you know, you remember the, the hospital scene where his, his baby is in there and the nurse, you know, and, and he's like, hey, can you, can you check my, my baby? Hey, hello. And, and, and it, just like that, he's, he snaps and he's rapping on the window and screaming, that's my baby, you know. And, yeah. and um, the realism of that and how the impact that, that time after time after time deploying has... Uh, is very real. You know, that was one scene. One scene, you know, remember the dog at the oh, birthday party? Yeah. And, um, and, you know, he's playing with his kid, and, and all of a sudden he just looked and, and thought the dog was, I don't know, going to be vicious or something, and went over and just about broke its neck, you know, just like that. And that's, that's the challenge, is that repeated exposure to combat and, and coming home and reintegrating with the family, which... which I just thought the movie presented so well. Mm. The dynamic there is is so hard. Wow. Well, what's the? I mean, you've been in a lot of scary situations, but what's the scariest? You know, as we talk about fight or flight, what's the scariest situation you've ever been in? <clears throat> Man, I, I'd have to say um, going in, uh, back to Iraq in, in 2008. Um, you know, it, it's funny because. Um, at my interview with United, you know, they asked a variety of questions. One question they asked was, um, tell us about a time where you were in a stressful situation and what you learned about yourself in that time. And immediately, you know, I didn't see that question come, but immediately my mind went to Iraq. And, and the scenario was, um, I was, I was not flying, I was boots on the ground. And, um, you know, the full body armor and the M4 and the M9, and, and we get out of the Humvee and we had to go to the main checkpoint in Fallujah. And basically what we did is, is we, we walled off the city of Fallujah um, because, you know, starting in 2006, we were basically getting rid of those, those folks in, in Fallujah, the, the bad guys. And uh, 
So if you were a resident of Fallujah, you had to have a, basically a card that said, yes, I live here, this is my residence. And so um, I, I kind of set up the, the background for him in the interview and I said, you know, so I'm, I'm getting out and, and, and I'm at the main checkpoint and there's, there's probably 1,500 um, locals um, that live in Fallujah um, coming in or out of the gate. And so, and I got out of the, of the Humvee and, and I mean, it literally went ice cold. Um, I mean, it was like I was numb because um, I, I'm, I have to walk through, you know, everybody dressed up in, in, in their dress. Mm -hmm. And the way they dress, you don't know if somebody has a suicide vest strapped to their body or not. And so to have to go through that and, and look and, and wonder and, and so I told him, I said, well, back to your question, what did you learn about yourself? You know, I said, uh, I learned that I had a bias that I didn't know existed because I looked at these people who were probably 99% of them are just local residents just coming and going mm -hmm. to and from their home. And, and I looked at them not knowing because of the scenario and, and the, the situation, you know, you, you can understand that was, that was prevalent in 2008. You know, people would strap a, you know, they'd run up to the gate guard and, and pull themselves up. And so I told him, I said, that may not seem stressful to you, but it was very stressful to me. Oh, yeah. and, and, uh, and I learned a lot about myself that day. <laughs> That's pretty stressful. I would yeah. Yeah. go ahead and agree with you on that. <laughs> wow. I mean, I know you've spent most of your time in the air uh, being down on the ground and I just can't even imagine those emotions. Um, most of us, we probably won't face that, but we all face trauma in our lives, you know, and as, as men. And can you talk about just some of the maybe personal trauma in your life, even before the military that... Yeah, that's the thing. And I think that's one thing I want to kind of just get across today. What, number one, I want to say um, this, this by no means applies only to military folks. Right. I mean, one, one thing is, um, you know, whether you're a police officer or a, a, a surgeon, you know, a professional athlete, you know, whatever. Uh, if you're in medical device sales, um, you know, where you're, you're leaving for four, you know, seven, ten days at a time and coming back, that, that reintegration, you know, yeah. is, is always a challenge. But for me, you know, yeah, it started before the military. Um, you know, when I was nine years old, my parents uh, split up. Um, you know, that was tough. Um, in uh, 1986, uh, so I was a, a sophomore, um, my oldest sister tried to commit suicide. Um, she was in a coma for three months, and, you know, um, that was tough. Um, six months later, my other sister um, was hit by a drunk driver uh, riding a motorcycle, um, lost her leg. The, the car impacted right below her knee and, and you know, snapped her, her leg back, broke her pelvis in half, and shattered basically below her knee. And, you know, 13 hours of surgery later, they couldn't save her leg. So, um, you know, I was in flight mode at that point. You know, in 1986, I thought I was next. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't want to go anywhere. I didn't want to do anything because, um, you know, I here, here are both my sisters, you know, um, that, that had these events, and, and I just thought I was next. Um, but, you know, then fast forward to the military, you know, with deployments, um, you know, two, uh, I did a Mediterranean cruise for six months, a Western Pacific cruise for, for six months, um, you know, the year in Iraq, the year and a half in Afghanistan. I mean, you add all that up, and, and, and you know, those are life stressors. And, and I think one point I want to make today was, you know, any trauma, any, any life stressors, um, those things, they, you know, each individually may seem small, but when they add up, 
um, it, it can really affect you. Mm -hmm. And and I guess I would just say, you know, as men, you know, our culture tells us, you know, men don't cry, and, and you know, um, if if you seek help, you're weak, you know, and all mm -hmm. these all these lies that that society and our culture tells us today. And I just I just think it's sad, and 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 I don't buy into it anymore. Um, having gone through it and, and my wife being so supportive and, and, and fortunately I have this strong marriage that, that yeah. you know, we were able to get through all this. Um, but um, her encouragement just, you know, repeatedly, gently letting me know, you know, um, hey, you might want to talk to somebody, you know, mm. and, and I, you know, I don't need, you know, I was in denial and all that stuff that the stages you go through. And I finally said, you know what, honey, I think you're right. I need to talk to somebody. And, and you know, thank God I did because, yeah. you know, I can sit here today and talk about it. Whereas, you know, a year and a half ago, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to talk about this at all. Wow. So, uh, you know, we hear a lot about post-traumatic stress syndrome, all that. I mean, how do you feel like you see that or... <clears throat> It's certainly real. Um, yeah. I would say most folks come back from from deployments in combat. Um, they don't have it, but mm -hmm. many do, mm -hmm. and it is very real. Um, you know, back to American Sniper. Uh, for those of you who saw it, um, I, I, it was funny because I just assumed people knew the ending. I don't know why. I just thought the story was out there. But everybody I talked to, without fail, said, "Man, I didn't see that coming." At the end, where you know he's out there mentoring this guy, yeah. trying to trying to help him recover from what he says is PTSD, you know, and, and the guy takes his life. Um, personally, Eddie Ray Ralph, I, I don't believe had PTSD. Um, I don't know that. I'm not a doctor. Um, but um, does PTSD make you homicidal? It can. But typically, it, the, the deal with PTSD is, and, and this is what most, most people um, that deploy face is you withdraw mm. from society. You know, there was a line in the movie that said, you know, war is like an electric fence. You know, um, it, it, it sends chills through your bones and makes it hard to hold on to anything else. And, and that's the challenge is you're, you're at this, this hypervigilance, you know. Um, imagine, you know, you get, you get caught off by a car and, and, and right away your heart's racing and your adrenaline starts going and, and it's, whoa, or, you know, you almost get hit by a deer or whatever in that, that instant spike. Imagine that for six straight hours at a time, day after day after day after day. Yeah. You know, that's what it can be like. And so, um, it, it, can, it can cause... Um, this distance, distancing mm. from your family, you know, um, and and until you accept that, and you know, living in that denial is, uh, you know, everybody loses yeah. in in that case. Um, but but again, it's not limited to just military, right. you know. I mean, if 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 you're a doctor and you're doing surgery and that patient doesn't make it, mm. you know, think about the the trauma that that mm -hmm. that single event can bring. Um, you know, a police officer in a foot chase and, and, and the, the things they have to do day in and day out. <clears throat> um, professional athletes, you see it all the time. And now, you know, all the stories this last year about the oh, wow. sexual attacks and just the, this, this rage that comes out, and, and that can be a byproduct of mm. it. Um, but PTSD, typically you withdraw mm. um, because you just you feel like nobody can understand. And the reality is nobody can understand. And right. that's, that's what makes it tough. 
Well, I think for all of us, uh, for men, this is so applicable because, you, you know, we come home, we're amped up from work, you know, things have gone well or they haven't gone well, and, and sometimes we walk in the door and, you know, if there's conflict or if there's uh, a challenge or difficulty, then we either fight or we flight, you know? We just go, I can't handle this, I've had enough, walk out, you know? And, and I think, how do we... How do we learn how to deal with that in our families, in our work? How do we learn how to um, deal in a healthy way with this fight or flight? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. And that's, that's you know, the, <clears throat> really the point of this yeah, discussion is, is, you know, there, there are really three responses, you know, and, and they come out from, from um, conflict or feeling trapped or threatened, really. Um, I keep losing my... Mike here. That's right. It's not uh, like in the uh, cockpit. It's that's right. Latched onto your head. Yeah. Um, when when you feel threatened, um, you know uh, we all have a a, a response. It's mm-hmm. it's either fight or flight, or really there's a third one, which is freeze and just absolutely do nothing and just kind of sit there frozen. Um, the the sad reality is that that however each of us are wired, some are tend more towards the fight and some towards the flight. Um, neither response is really the best one. You know, certainly not the fight, because the fight is the, is the coming at and, and the, the blame, the accusation, the, the engaging and attacking. Um, the flight is, you know, like the, the kid who's, who's being bullied at school, mm. and the bully comes by and he's, you know, he just wants to run away. You know, well, that's not necessarily the answer either. Um, you know, my wife puts it so well. She says, you know, hey, what I really need for you is to come toward me, not come at me. Mm. And that, that's really stuck with me because... That's powerful right it, there. It, come it, toward me, not come at me. Right, because when you come at them, you know, if, if you have a conflict or an argument or something, when you come at, that's, that's the blame, that's the accusation. Nobody wins. Mm. <clears throat> but when you come toward, it's, it's, it's not running, it's not the flight, but it's, it's moving toward and that's seeking to understand that, hey... It sounds like, you know, mm. here, here's what you're hearing. Here's, you know, that's not what I meant, but it's, it's, it's moving toward and, and towards your spouse to, to really understand where they're coming from and help them understand where you're coming from. So, you know, really the, the best result is, if nothing else, if you're feeling kind of amped up and, you know, just, just pause. Take that 10-second that breather, you know, don't get in the car and drive away. Mm. And, and don't come at your spouse, but just pause and, and do all you can to come toward. Mm. And really, I think that's, that's the best result for both parties yeah. in, in any conflict. So uh, That is so profound because I think what happens is when that conflict results, you know, we want to win, right. right? And we go into this, I'm a man, I win, right. uh, whether it's battle mode or anything else. Right. And what ends up happening is everybody loses, right? right? You're, your spouse loses, your kids lose, you lose, your you know, work loses. I, I think there's such that dichotomy in our minds, though. It's like, win at all cost. Right. And yet, how do we back off to say, no, I don't want that. You know, I, wanna, I want all of us to win. I want you to win, you know, because I love you. How have you seen that play out? Yeah, and, and, and part of it is, one, if, if you've been through a lot of these stressors or traumas in your life, it's, yeah. it's getting the help first. Yeah. You know, that's, that's really step number one. And, and, and how do you do that? You know, it's, it's accepting what you're hearing. Um, you know, I, I think um, 
you know, there's a quote, I, I wrote it down because I knew I wouldn't remember it, and uh, it, it's by um, Fawn Weaver, you know, it said, in marriage there is no such thing as one winning and one losing. Mm. Either both will win or both will lose. It's an either-or proposition. You can choose to be right or you can choose to be happy, mm. but rarely both. And I think that just really hits it spot on because when you, it's, it's that, you know, the, the fight is the pride taken over. Like mm. you said, I'm going to win. I'm going to prove my point that I'm right. And, and the reality is nobody wins. Um, so, you know, I, I mean, throughout the Bible, they talk, you know, it, there are so many places where it says husbands love your wives, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's what we're called to do. And, and we're not loving them when we're coming at them, mm. only when we're coming toward them. And so if, if, if nothing else, guys, if, you could, if, if, if I left you with one thought, I would say, you know, come toward, don't come at, mm. you know, don't fight, don't flee, mm. but move toward. Mm. Um, I think the other thing, too, is um, in uh, Afghanistan, I was in a Bible study there, and, and our group leader um, had just a key phrase, and I wrote it down because I thought it was so good. And, and I think this is one thing that can kind of help us kind of get that reality check of where we're at, you mm-hmm. know, if we're struggling with something and if we're blind to it. And he said, basically, we, we all need men in our lives who love us, number one. Mm. And I think most guys tend to not be very good at that, you know, to say, um, hey, man, I love you. You know, we just, that's just not how typically how guys are wired. We're just not. Um, I think women are better about that. But, you know, I, I try and tell those I'm closer to, you know, mm. hey, man, love your brother, you know. And, and not the first time I meet him, you know, but I mean. But, <laughs> it's but, awkward. But I think that's, I, I think that's important, yeah. that, that we have men in our lives, one, who love us. Number two, who will be honest with us. Mm. And, and that's key because, you know, your buddy who's, you know, who's not going to tell you what they see and who's going to just agree with you mm. um, and your perspective, I don't think that does us any good, you know. But the third part of that is someone who is not in competition with us. Ooh. And I think that's key. And, and, and you know, this is, uh, these are his words, not mine. But um, so a man who loves us, who um, will be honest with us, who's not in competition with us. Because think about it. If, if you're, um, if you've got a, a peer or a coworker mm-hmm. at work and you're both kind of in a position to where you could be promoted to the same position, you know, there is that kind of subtle competition. Mm. And, and so we need someone who absolutely doesn't look at us as a threat or as competition in any way. Mm. And if we can find that, that guy mm. that we can go to that can hold us accountable, man, I think we're, we're way ahead of the game as far as um, accepting some issues that we may have and, yeah. and, and getting past those because that guy is going to be like, hey, brother, I love you, and i got to be honest with you. Yeah. you know, and I think that's important. Yeah. I totally agree, and I think that's the importance of church, of community, of having guys around you who are going to stand with you and stand by you, you know? And Absolutely. I think, you know, when you were talking about this, one of those, um, of course, being a pastor, I come back to the biblical words, but that word of meekness and being strength under control, and I think for all of us, you know, as, as many times you can win the battle and lose the war, right. you know? Right, And exactly. uh, you've seen that many times, well but... In our, in our families, in our relationships, our marriage, and, you know, that strength under control, that, that we don't let our emotions take over and in the process just damage everybody around us. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So if you were looking at a couple of takeaways for us, what would you kind of encourage us with today? Yeah, you know, one, one of my favorite 
uh, authors, I guess he's an author, he's really a motivational speaker and he's got the audiobooks out there, but it's Jim Rohn. <clears throat> and that's not Rome is Burning, the sports guy, but, <laughs> but Jim Rohn, R-O-H-N. Um, but, uh, you know, he, he says, and I, I like to try and post some of his quotes on Facebook once in a while, uh, but um, one thing he says is we have two, we all have um, two great challenges in life. One is the wise use of our resources, you know, time, talents, money. And the other is the development of our full potential. Wow. And, and I just think, I look at that quote and I say, you know, how can we even begin to develop our full potential if, if, if there's some baggage there, if there's some issues that, that haven't been dealt with? And, and, I, and I don't mean to say, like, everyone's got issues, they need to go talk to a counselor, that's not the point. But, but if you've had these traumas, traumas and stressors in life, um, you know, it, it's the sooner you can come to the realization that, hey, there may be some things that, you know, maybe I could talk to somebody and, and, and get past, um, everybody wins and everybody benefits, certainly mm -hmm. you, certainly your family. Um, you know, that would be one. Um, again, the, the Farn Weaver quote, you know, um, just, there's no such thing as one winning, one losing. You know, either you both win or you both lose, you know. You can choose to be right or choose to be happy. Um, but I think I would just say, guys, if, 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 you, can, if you can find that, that one guy out there, um, you know, maybe two or three, but that one guy that you can no kid and count on and go to and, and, and go, hey, man, uh, you're, you're a good friend, and, and uh, I'd love you to, you know, keep me accountable. If you see something, if you see a change in my demeanor, you know, call me on it. Let me know. Uh, mm. Keep me honest, and, and uh, you know, and I'd like to do the same for you. I, I think that's really important and, and really one of those steps to help, uh, you know, keep you moving forward. I think that's so important because, you know, as guys, we don't like to open up a whole lot, you know, it's like, and, uh, but having somebody that we can be honest with and, and then just how we value our spouse, that's, you know, absolutely. I mean, I think, um, you know, when I look at you, you know, I think this, this hero in, in so many ways, and I look at my wife and she's a hero, you know, that's, I that's, mean, that's the thing. And I'm glad you brought that up because I, you know, one thing I did want to say today is, is to me. You know, when you watch the movie, you look at look at what Taya went through every time Chris left on deployment. I mean, here she is. You know, now she's not just doing all the motherly stuff, but but now she's you know, let's face it. You know, when when Dad takes off, that's when the oil light comes on the car. Or the tires need to be rotated or changed. Or you know, I mean, now she's got to play both roles, raise the child. She's left alone. She can't communicate with him except the occasional phone call he'll make home. She doesn't know what's going on. He does call, gets in a firefight. You know, she's like, what is happening? Yeah. They have to hang up. Now for weeks she wonders, is he even alive? You know, um, it's, it's <clears throat> I look at that and I say, I'm glad the way that was portrayed because to me the spouse is the hero. Mm. It really is. They're the ones that are sacrificing so that we can live out our dreams and go do these, these you know, for me it happens to be flying, but whatever it might be, you know, for all of you here, um, they sacrifice so you can, sometimes you travel a lot, you know, they're the ones giving up so you can fulfill that dream that you have and that passion. I think that's pretty powerful and, and, and they're the heroes in my mind. That's good. Wow. Questions? Yeah, we've got a yeah, couple questions that came in here, Dave. Um, the first one, I promise I didn't write this because you guys that know me know that this is not me. Uh, I have a short fuse. When it comes to confrontation, what are some of the things that you've learned that can help guys like me approach an argument with a level head and resolve the issue peacefully? 
I think it's a great question, and I think uh, many guys can relate to that, you yeah. know, um, especially if there have been those stressors that, that can trigger that. But um, it, it's not uncommon that the way we're wired, we tend to be a little more quick-tempered than probably our, our spouses. Um, but I think it's a great question. And, and like I said, you know, if nothing else, you know, getting in the car, taking off isn't going to solve it. Certainly not coming at her. But if you, can, if you can just take that deep breath, you know, count to 10, whatever you have to do in your, yeah. in your head to, to not get upset and realize, hey, this is, this is the one you chose. This is your spouse. This is, this is the one you love. And how can I show her love? It's not by coming at her, mm-hmm. but by coming towards her. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what I would say. I would just, you know, add on to that. I mean, you, you look at how many men have wrecked their careers or their marriages, their lives because of anger. Yeah. This rash, you know, it just comes on. And we've seen it with coaches, you know, they hit a player, or whatever else. And you're just like, oh, and you know, that's, you've got to come back. I mean, I'm going to come back to Christ being the center of your heart, you know, and having a peace inside of you. But it is a daily discipline that it's not, I win, you lose. It's, right. Hey, what's best and how can I be pouring into others and how can I be helping empower others? Uh, so it becomes more of a mindset than right. it does, I think, you know. Absolutely. And just going back to scripture, I, I've just jotted a couple down. You know, First Peter 3, 7 says, husbands, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect. Mm. Colossians three nineteen: husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. You know, it doesn't say don't be harsh with them unless they're harsh with you, then it's okay. It says do yeah. not be harsh with them, period. Yeah. You know, First Timothy 3, 2, now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. Yeah. And those three just great passages to keep, keep in mind. Yeah. I, I think that's just so strong. And uh, for all of us, I mean, there's going to be, there's just going to be disagreements in your marriage. There's going to be disagreements at work. There's going right. to be disagreements where, wherever you are. It's life, you know? And that, honestly, that's how we get better many times is in that conflict. That's right. what makes us grow and keeps us from being stagnant. But it's how do we respond, you know, and as we mature and as we grow, hopefully this is an area that we can learn to be disciplined and really be God-centered in that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Great. Great question. Yeah. This is a real interesting one, Dave. Um, knowing what you know about danger in the world, how do you deal with worry or fear regarding your wife or kids? Wow. <laughs> an, I need to take a deep breath before answering that one. Um, I will say that that is my biggest fear. Um, every time I leave, um, that's why um, we're building a house right now. It is going to have the, the best security you can have um, that, that money can buy, really, because to me, um, I don't have many fears. But that's one of them, is, is I leave and, you know, I have to come back early because something's happened. And, and so... Um, it's a struggle. It's a very real struggle I deal with as part of my job. Um, I, I, I trust in God that, that he's, he's got my back, uh, that he, and he wants the best for us, and he's going to keep us safe. And, and I pray for that while I'm gone, and I think that helps me deal with it. Um, sometimes I try not to think about it, but um, it is a concern, and that's why I, I rarely, if I'm on a trip somewhere overseas in Europe or something, I, I won't post, I won't check in ever, because that just says, you know what, I'm yeah. gone. You know, I may do it after I get back and, and put a picture of a city or something, um, but I'm home when I do it. And uh, it, it is a real fear. And, and really, I, I just I take it to the Lord in prayer mm. because it's, it's something I struggle with every time I leave. Yeah. 
And I, and I would just add to that. I mean, there, there's, we live in this world where it's a fallen world. There's all kinds of things. That I think what you talked about, prayer, you know, that we are praying for our spouse, pray for our mm-hmm. families, and praying mm-hmm. for God's protection. Um, and I think that's a huge call for men, you know? And, and so often we're praying for our career, for what's going to happen. And, right. But really to spend time on that is, is yeah, that's important. Absolutely. Mm. You have one more? Yeah, this is, uh, this is taking kind of the other side of it. How do you recover from, from unhealthy flight mode brought about by tragedy or trauma? How do you recover? Um, you know, I, I think coming to the realization that um, taking off and running from the problem isn't solving the problem. It's just postponing, delaying, and, and probably causing more harm. Um, I mean, let's face it, as guys, we tend to be more physical creatures. As women, they're more emotional creatures, and, and, and they connect with us on an emotional level. That's what creates intimacy is, is that emotional connection. And, and if you're, I mean, because we're all one or the other, typically we either fight or flight. If, if you're the type that tends to just, I'm out of here, um, you know, you're, you're not just delaying the inevitable because eventually you're going to have to face it. Um, but you're also probably doing some damage emotionally mm. to your spouse going, you know, because let's face it, uh, time and time again, I talk to experts who say, you know, women always have that whisper in, in the back of their, their ear and their voice uh, that they hear, you know, does he really love me? Is he, is he really going to stay? Um, they, the, and, and I apparently, um, you know, talk to your spouses and ask them, maybe they'll, I don't know, but this is what I hear over and over again is that there's always that whisper like, is he going to stay? And when you get in flight mode and you take off, you're making that whisper louder and louder in her ear. Wow. And, and again, it's, it's really hurting that emotional connection, which is how they connect with intimacy. So um, again, I would say if you can you know, set the keys down, go in the other room if you have to, and, and, and just take a breather, take some time. But, but leaving and completely walking out on her is really doing a lot more damage than you probably realize. Mm. Yeah, I would, I would just piggyback on that. I mean, if, if, if you need to get help, get help. Right. You know, I, I right. think, I mean, I, in American Sniper, you know, Chris Kyle went and met with that guy, you know, it was like, you know, is, is, there, is there a problem? No, no, no. You know, and, and, and then he opened up. But then you watched as that movie unfolded, you saw him getting healthy and being present. Right. And, uh, and, and I think for all of us guys, we're like, man, I don't know about you know, counseling or, you know, getting involved in a small group or something where you have accountability, but what a difference it makes, yep. you know? Yeah. And, and I would challenge all of us, you know, right. just not to be so prideful to say, I don't need help, right. but to say, hey, if there's an area, whether I'm dealing with anger or whether my marriage is falling apart or disarray or whether I'm having a hard time being a dad, get help. I right. mean, and, you know, there's resources out there um, and, and we're blessed. And then I would piggyback on that just to say be present, you know? Absolutely. I mean, because when you come in from your job, I mean, so many times our mind's still going and we don't engage with our family or with our, our spouse or our kids because our mind's still working. We go upstairs, we get back to work, and or, you know, we put the kids to bed and we're back on the computer. Somehow, you know, turning these things off and being present, I think, brings back that intimacy and builds that trust and that security. Um, back in with your spouse and with your family and even with your coworkers, but 
Yeah. And that's the key. Like you said, the trust and security, you know, um, whatever job you may have, you know, uh, sometimes you want to just, it's been a long, hard day at work. You want to just come yeah. and kick your feet up and, you know, maybe turn the ball game on or something, you know. Um, that was one of the lines of the movie that was really, really moved me was when he finally came home, I think it was after his final deployment, um, oh, yeah. and, he, and he's sitting in the bar, he's having a beer, and, and she had gotten word that he was coming home early, and so she calls his cell phone, and he answers. And she goes, hey, Chris, you know, um, you, what, you're here? And he goes, yeah, yeah, I'm here. And she's like, well, why don't you come home? And he said, I guess I just needed a minute. And that's so true. Whether it's a, you know, 12-hour day at the office, imagine amplify that you know being gone for six or 12 months and coming home and that reintegration and the challenge that that brings but um yeah it's uh admitting you know finding that accountability partner um come to the realization because let's face it to me it takes more of a man to say i need help yeah doesn't it oh yeah it really does and we just don't think that way because our culture says you're weak if you if you cry out for help wow well, Dave, this has been great. Thank you so much for being open. Thanks, Thanks for having me. Uh, for sharing um, not only your story, but sharing your heart. And uh, I mean, you've spoken to me today <laughs> and challenged me to be a better husband and father and be the man that God's called me to be. And so I just really appreciate you opening up. So Thanks for having me. Thanks, yeah. guys, for being here. Really yeah. appreciate it. Great. Wow. Um, uh, great. Let me pray for us. Uh, Father, thank you for your presence this morning, God. Thank you for your word and your truth. Thank you for people like Dave Anderson. God, I just, I'm just so grateful for him. I pray a blessing over him and over his family, Father. Lord, I pray for all of the men and women serving around the world, God. I pray for your hand of protection. I pray for peace to come in our world, Father. Um, God, so much conflict, it seems like. And we read every day, uh, Father, just another story, another battle, another war. But I pray, Father, that peace would come into the hearts of men because that's only where transformation happens. And so I pray for all of us, God, as you have called us to be leaders in our world, Father, and in our workplace, in our home. I pray that, God, you would give us peace in our hearts to be able to love our spouse well, our children well, to be able to be the men that you want us to be at work and to, God, accomplish what you have called us to do. And so, Lord, we want to bring glory to you. Thanks for today and for what you're teaching us, God. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Dave. Great job, man. Appreciate it. Well, join us next week. We'll get going with breakfast at 630. The program will start at 7. We're going to be talking with Clarence Clarence Risen. Uh, Clarence is an attorney with Baker Donaldson here in Nashville, and we're going to be discussing how to be a spiritual leader. So please join us next week. Thank you.